listening to Open Mic Friday on this Friday the 13th in the year of our Lord, December 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. It's your opportunity to phone in to ask any question of a theological nature. I cannot promise that I'll be able to answer it for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, there may be no answer in the Bible. Uh, Number two, there may be an answer, but I'm ignorant of it as to where it is in the Bible. And so on those questions, we'll kind of wait till the following broadcast, which will be on Monday. I'll do a little homework and answer the question. Yesterday on Rumination Thursday, of course, we were talking with Wes Reimnitz. He found an article where it was all about the Sabbath day. And the article itself didn't really talk much at all about God's working out the Sabbath day as a day of rest in the sense of worship. It was just talking about from a psychological point of view with everybody so involved with computers and iPhones, etc., you really need to get a break from that. And so they were saying it was a kind of a good idea. However, the comments section had individuals that were really attacking Christianity, saying there was no evidence at all that Jesus even existed, let alone that he died on the cross for our sins. And we made the distinction that, yes, you can helpfully find evidence for historic Christianity. Uh, For example, that there was a crossing through the Red Sea, that Israel was in Egypt for 400 years, Uh, King David, uh, his name appears, of course, and uh, many of the other items even in the New Testament. But when it comes to not historic faith, but saving faith, namely trusting in the promises of God. There's no evidence at all for that outside of the Bible that when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was paying for our sins, that our sins are forgiven, even though we remain as sinners. So we make a big distinction between historic faith, for which there can be some evidence, and saving faith, for which there is no evidence. We uh, just heard on the coffee hour, uh, they were talking about uh, in the Finnish areas, uh, Finland, for example, there were what was a, a woman who actually got a booklet from the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod uh, teaching a, against immorality, uh, homosexuality, abortion, etc., And she is being accused of hate speech. Now, you see, we're fortunate we live in the United States of America because rarely can somebody be put in prison for saying something. Although there are circumstances that can occur. For example, if you're in a crowded theater and you just decide to yell out, fire, 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 and people are trampled to death, you can be accused of saying that. But I do not believe that in the United States of America, the Supreme Court will ever put a a pastor in jail who speaks out against 
the horrendous immorality of abortion, homosexuality, etc. We have free speech here, particularly when we talk about that though we hate the sin, we can love the sinner. And we love the sinner by helping them to see the message of Jesus Christ. So be prepared in the church that we're going to have a number of attacks against the church on the basis of hate speech, etc. In fact, if you just speak out against a certain immorality, they're considering that you are now hating the person. Now, if you want to phone about that or anything else, the number 821-0850, that's in the St. Louis area, 821-0850, and anywhere in North America is 1-800-730-2727. That's 1-800-730-2727. 2727. And I'd encourage you to phone now because if you wait much later near the end of the program, we often cannot get to everybody at that time. We're going to be uh, dealing with the last Wednesday in Advent next week, but on Monday, we're going to be talking about a very important item, and that's the fourth Sunday in Advent. We don't have a fourth Wednesday, but we do have a fourth Sunday. So we encourage you to be listening on Monday, and we'll be talking about our uh, particular item. Okay, I think we're ready to go to the phone lines right now. So let's start with Rick. Hi, Rick. You're on the air. Good morning. Thank you very much for taking my call. I ask you to discuss the difference between soul and spirit and the different contexts in which they're used in the Bible and a possible reference for to learn more about the difference. Okay. I'll hang up and listen to you. Oh, all right. Thank you very much, Thank Rick. You, sir. Okay. Soul and spirit are often used interchangeably. In other words, sometimes the word soul means something like when you use the word spirit, sometimes it doesn't. For example, even in the English, somebody may ask, I I hear you're uh, taking care of a church. Uh, How many souls are there? Now, there the word soul refers to the entire person. So if I say, well, we have about... 200 in worship on a Sunday, that's how many souls. However, sometimes the word soul refers to the distinction between the body and the soul or the body and the spirit. We believe there is a distinction because the Bible says that when a believer dies, the body goes in the ground but the spirit goes to heaven to be with Jesus. In other words, what happens to us as believers is the same thing that happened to Jesus on the cross. Remember, he says to the thief, the repentant thief, today 
you will be with me in paradise. And how do we know that Jesus' spirit went to heaven immediately? Because he says, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. Now, sometimes the word spirit also refers to the formation of an angel. Angels do not have bodies. They have they are only spiritual in nature. Although there are occasions like when Jesus goes with two angels to eat with Abraham that the angels have bodies and are able to eat. And similarly when Gabriel appeared in the New Testament like before Mary he looked like a human being there's no indication that he had wings on at that time but therefore you really need to take a look at the context to see does the word soul or spirit is it referring to that part of the human being that is different than the body or does it mean the whole human being does it mean angels etc um one can find in a good dictionary of the scriptures, uh, I, I first of all look at the uh, concordance. The concordance has every word in the Bible. And look up the word soul or spirit, and you will find from the context, it's pretty simple to understand where the distinctions are. I hope that is helpful. Let's go on to our next caller, and I believe it's Herman. Hi, Herman. Uh, thank you, Pastor Baker. I appreciated uh, your remarks uh, this previous Monday on the uh, situation back in the early 70s on the uh, Concordia Seminary St. Louis issue and the walkout to Seminex. It's really, if having tried to study that for uh, since then to the present time, it's been very, very difficult to get a straight, plain description of the issues. Newspaper reports, I recall of the day, just say that uh, Dr. Uh, President Price was mean to the people at the seminary. It was an internal church political struggle, a personality struggle, and even uh, the uh, Dr. Fred Banker, who was a Seminex professor, walked out of there, a Greek professor. I have his book, uh, No Room in the uh, Brotherhood, and even there they don't lay out the real reasons, but it had, uh, like you pointed out, it had to do with the authority and the clarity and the divine uh, truth of Scripture. Uh, you do know I wrote a book on that. I, I haven't seen it. Oh, well, look, you send me an email, I'll be glad to send you a copy. Yeah, it's... Um, I, may, I may try to send you, uh, I'll, uh, send you a snail mail or something. Sure, it doesn't matter, whichever okay. way. Um, but I was a student there during that time, and we uh, wrote about what we were being taught. A really good book to get, Paul Zimmerman, uh, now asleep in Jesus, uh, wrote... Well, he was the uh, chairman of a group that interviewed the various professors, and that interview, they were all transcribed. And so you can actually read the interviews. Uh, for example, uh, I have the uh, original interviews on page 94. <laughs> I've got these things memorized. Uh, a professor says, 
And then God chose two monkeys and made one Adam and one Eve. That's, that's actually what he was saying. And so the, it, it does a wonderful job, and it led to the New Orleans Convention of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, indicating that the teaching of the majority of the faculty, there were only five professors who were still what I consider to be Lutheran, that the majority of them, though, had left Lutheranism and their teachings were not to be tolerated in the Church of God. That's what was adopted by the New Orleans Convention. Later on, that led to the removal of President Teachin, who had very liberal views in those areas and permitted uh, professors to teach things that were contrary to the Bible. And then the professors walked out and they expected that they could come back, but Martin Charlemagne, a member of mine, ended up being the president of the seminary, and he would not permit them to come back into classes and teach unless they repented. And so they just left and went over to the Roman Catholic uh, area in St. Louis and became Seminex, which is seminary in exile. And they were probably pretty influential in getting the American Lutheran Church, the Lutheran Church of America, and themselves, uh, at that time, uh, Elam, Evangelical Lutherans in Mission, uh, they got them to become the Elka, where now they have a pastor who's a woman who thinks she's a pastor. She really isn't, because women aren't permitted to be pastors. And she's also a lesbian, and she is okay with abortion, and doesn't think it's necessary uh, to teach Jesus Christ to uh, people uh, anymore, uh, because we're all going to be saved, uh, whether you're Muslim, Jew, or whatever. That all occurred at their last convention this summer. So that's kind of a, a little uh, history. I see, and that certainly is uh, germane to all of Lutheranism and ultimately all of Christendom. Yes, but you are correct. The um, media never did get it quite right. They were, if I had uh, issues, etc., had an excellent uh, hour uh, with Paul McCain yesterday, and he made some points that really helped me. Um, and then they had another article where they were, or another broadcast where they were talking about that the media now is becoming a defense mechanism for immorality. And that, oh, therefore, yeah. Christians who still believe in marriage between a man and a woman and are against the murder of children in the womb, that they're considered the enemy. And I, I find that very interesting. The media has taken sides and people need to recognize that. When I open up the Post-Dispatch, I just have to read the headings to realize the lies that they're coming out with. Because a lot of it oh, is yeah, supposition, etc. Yeah, that's the daily newspaper in St. Louis here. And in fact, it's so bad that many of their opinions are, I think, from the Washington Post, which is just as bad. And it's as though it's part of the Washington Post. And you hardly ever see a, a good article about President Trump, for example. 
And I don't care how much you may be against a politician. There are sometimes they do some good, but that's not found in the Post-Dispatch. <laughs> Uh, yes, in fact, I've noticed the Post-Dispatch at times has, uh, shall we say, articles that don't uh, that put the Missouri Senate in not exactly the best light. Oh, yes. Uh, they'd love from those who are against particularly President Harrison, they write lies about him also. Uh, for example, the closing of Selma, which was our only black college, though... That, that was thought to be a horrible thing done by the Missouri Synod, headed up by uh, President Harrison. But upon further reflection, uh, not only did the convention uh, agree with the closing, uh, it was costing uh, a lot of money, almost as much as our entire mission budget is for all missions, but there were only, I just read recently, 10 students left at the school. And a lot of efforts had been made to keep it going, but there just wasn't the funding available. And so it wasn't a racist thing at all, like some people were saying. And it's just a shame. In fact, um, one of the opponents to President Harrison, a pastor out of California, was speaking in that way. And that was just really a shame that he was breaking the Eighth Commandment to that level. Well, I appreciate it. I'll see what I can do to get you get in touch with you about that uh, book of yours. Yeah, it's called Watershed at the Rivergate. The Rivergate was the hotel in New Orleans, or, or the convention center, I should say, mm -hmm. where all of this came to a head. And the teachings of the faculty were not to be permitted. In fact, they used my book uh, with a number of questions to the faculty. I, I have been really helped in writing the book by Dr. James Veltz, who was my best friend at that time, just a brilliant uh, theologian. And we had uh, been talking about it, and when we came to a conclusion, we were leaving his room walking down the stairs at the seminary. My wife worked as a nurse, so she didn't get off till about 11 at night. So I was with Jim Lott. And we were asking, what professors would we remove? And we really couldn't think of any for a very simple reason it came to us, is that we weren't sure what they personally believed but what we did know is what they allowed for belief. Uh, for instance, let, let's take the president of uh, the seminary, Dr. John Teachin. We weren't sure whether he believed in the historicity of Adam or Eve or not. But we knew he allowed professors to teach evolution. And so we called it the allowability factor. And that's the question you should always ask a uh, someone. Not what do you personally believe, but do you allow this to be taught in your church? So, for example, I had a professor, his name was Bartling, who would say that he believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But then when we have him in class, he was saying that he believed that Jesus rode, uh, arose from the dead spiritually, not physically. 
So you had to ask him, do you allow that Jesus did not uh, rise from the dead bodily? And he would say yes to that. And that's, again, where you really need to get those transcripts from the professors. I just mentioned one. Uh, Another one, a professor said that the Israelites went over the Red Sea on boats, little boats. And uh, that happened in my class. One of the professors was teaching that. So I put my hand up and I said, well, how deep was the water? He said it was only about four or five inches deep. And I said, isn't that a miracle that all the Egyptian soldiers were drowned in four and five inches of water? (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. He didn't Mm -hmm. like me very much. (laughs) But that's what we were dealing with at the seminary. Uh, like that professor about the resurrection of Jesus, he's changed the definition of resurrection is what he was dealing with. Well, a lot of... It was not a physical resurrection. It was a a spiritual resurrection. That's right. That's right. But you see, they'll teach that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, and people just assume he's talking about what the Bible says. But then upon further questioning and asking this question... Would you allow? And then you would go on from there. And uh, those professors, whether or not they believed in the historicity of creation, they would allow other professors to teach contrary to that because for them the only thing that you had to keep straight was the gospel. Anything else, else was up for grabs. I mean, I had a professor who did not believe in the devil. There, there was no devil. And uh, later, one of our professors, one of those professors got arrested in a, uh, let's see, yes, it was a South St. Louis, St. Louis Park for homosexual activity. So these were uh, a group of individuals whose fathers had been pretty traditional and conservative, but boy, they had turned very devilish in their teachings. And now we see the results of that in the ELCA. Just take a look at what was adopted at their recent conventions. And anybody who's still a member of the ELCA, they must be there because they let loyalty in the congregation trump doctrine. They think that's more important. Well, I've been there all my life. No. If the pastor is no longer teaching God's word, then you need to realize you are paying money uh, to an organization that is using it contrary to the Word of God. And uh, the uh, thing is, they voted down uh, even a a direct verse of Scripture, John uh, 14, verse 6, that was brought up for a uh, consideration. Yes, a layman got up and said what we're about to pass in allowing Muslims and Jews and uh, other religions to be part of the church is contrary to that. And uh, they booed him down. Uh, Some spoke very harshly of this layman. And the item against the layman passed with over 90% of the delegates. So it shows you where the leadership of the ELCA is, and their joined hands with none other than Satan himself. In, indeed, it is a, a, a huge, it became at 
the largest Lutheran body in the United States, but it's dwindling uh, considerably from what it began with at the merger. Yeah, from 5 million, it's down to 3 million. And one of their own reports say that by 2040, at the current rate, they'll have in attendance on a Sunday morning 16,000 people. Which is practically almost a, a non-existent in a way. Yeah, well, we got that many in St. Louis in the LCMS alone. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank, well thank, you thank you very, very much. much for laying that out, Pastor Baker. Okay, God bless. And um, that's kind of the end of our program. And we have relatives in the ELCA. We, we love them. And we always have good conversations. And we have those conversations Thanksgiving, Christmas, etc. Nothing is more important than teaching God's Word. And if you're persecuted for it, so be it. You are, therefore, blessed. Tom Baker, Mondays, Long Gospel, on the last Sunday in Advent. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.